0: Thank you, Sarah and Abraham. We thank you for helping us to know your story this morning. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11, we'll uh, start at the end of that chapter in a few moments and then we'll look at some passages in chapters 12 and 13 as we look at four altars that Abraham built as he followed God into this new land called Canaan. By way of recap, this fall we're in a worship series at HRBC called At the Altar. And we started with Jesus, which was a wonderful way to frame it out, because if you remember, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and he said... If at the altar you remember, if you come to the altar and you remember that your sister or brother has something against you, there's an issue between you two, Jesus said, leave your gift there at the altar and go and be reconciled, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and present your altar. And we understood that Jesus is saying worship really has to do with our relationships, our relationship with God. Worship has to do with loving one another as ourselves and we learn that God values relationships that he places a high priority on reconciliation in relationships and we desire and we said that God desires mercy over sacrifice all day long and then last Sunday if you were here you remember we studied Noah and the great ancient story of Noah and his ark that God commended him to build And we learned that the very first thing that Noah did when he came out of the ark was to build an altar. He worshiped. Nobody told him to do that. There was no priest to mediate that. It was simply pure, unadulterated worship at that altar Noah built for God. God smelled the aroma from the burnt offering and it was pleasing to God's sight And the Scripture tells us that God's heart was moved so much so that God entered into a covenant with Noah and said, never again am I going to destroy the earth in this way. Never again will I send a flood like this. And God gave a rainbow as a promise of that covenant. And we talked last Sunday about several ways that you and I can live out our worship that would hopefully move the heart of God. When God's heart is moved, things happen in this world. And then today we go back to this ancient story of Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of our faith. And as we journey with them, we will see that there, there were four significant altars that Abraham constructed as he journeyed into the land of Canaan. These altars are at Shechem, at Bethel, and then The third one after they went to Egypt, back in Bethel. And then the fourth one at Bamre at Hebron. And while the biblical record tells us that Noah actually made a burnt offering on the altar that he built when he came out of the ark, there is nothing in these passages in Genesis that say anything about a burnt offering at all. We can assume that that may have happened in these altars, but the scripture does not tell us that Abraham did that. It simply says that he built these altars, and then in, I believe, two of the occasions, he called on the name of the Lord. I believe that there's another purpose for these altars, and that purpose, these purposes, I hope we will see today that they serve as essential markers, spiritual markers in Abraham's journey of faith. And we're going to see how Abraham's altars might serve as symbols of the key spiritual markers or the essential spiritual markers in our lives as Christians. But before we make that jump, we need to go back to Ur, the place called Ur. It's spelled Ur, Ur. and it's located in modern-day southern Iraq. There a man named Terah, T-E-R-A-H, Terah, lived with his family And he had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran, who died in Ur before the family left, had a son named Lot. And so you remember the story about Abraham and Lot. The two other brothers were married, and Abraham and Sarah, as you've heard today, were married, but they were not able to have children, and they struggled with that for years and years and years. Well, one day, Terab, Abraham's father, decided to make the long journey from Ur to Canaan. It was about 900 to 1,000 miles. And you can imagine how that would have been in that rugged, rocky, sandy terrain, deserty terrain from Ur to Canaan. If you go to the book of Acts and read Stephen's sermon, Stephen's testimony in the sermon, you'll see that he tells this story. He goes back and he tells the story of the fathers and mothers of our faith. And he told that God had actually spoken to Abraham back in Ur. So not only in chapter 12, verse 1, is there a command from God to Abraham to go to a land that I will show you, but we believe that according to Stephen and and some other uh, in Hebrews that God had spoken to Abraham well before his father decided to make the journey. We don't know why his dad decided to make the move, but perhaps God was at work through Abraham. Maybe Abraham had nudged his dad in some way. We just don't know. But the family decided to follow their father's lead to go to Canaan. But they got to a place in modern-day Turkey called Haran, and that's where they stopped, and they dwelt there. Well, one day, uh, Terah passed away. And that is where we pick up the story in chapter 11, verses 31 and 32. This is actually before Abraham's father died, just before. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Genesis 12, 1 and following. The Lord had said to Abram. Here's that, the key there. he had said to Abram. Back in Ur and now repeating that command again. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you to a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham, Abraham I'm going to call him Abraham now, and Sarah, Sarai Sarah for the rest of the message so that we're consistent. He and his family and his possessions all arrived in Canaan. They arrived in the city of Shechem, And here, Abram built the very first altar. And we see that in verses 6 and 7. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So this tells us that it was inhabited by a whole lot of people, the Canaanites. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So, Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is his first act of obedience after going to this place. He built an altar. We call this the altar of promise. The altar of promise. What was the promise? You might say, Pastor Bob, what was the promise? You see it very clearly in verse 7. Offspring... To an old man who had been married for years and years, old enough to be great grandparents, who had never been able to have children, you're going to have offspring? This is God's promise. Sounds perplexing or confusing or impossible, but this is the promise. Offspring. And then the other promise was land. All of this I'm going to give you. One scholar says the promise of Canaan replaces the loss of Eden. All of this I will give you. Offspring to populate and land to settle. As a clear and immediate response to God's promises, Abram Abraham constructs an altar. In spite of the fact that Canaanites were all over the place, in fact, the area where he built his altar was a holy place of the Canaanites and there would have probably been other Canaanite altars around, but he constructed the altar to his god. And God did not say convert those people. He said live among them. Practice your faith and believe in me. Bear good witness to God and perhaps the reality of the blessing will be seen by others. Abraham was a stranger in a foreign land and he was called out called to live out the blessing of God in this new place. Perhaps much like Abraham, you and I are strangers in a foreign land, and we live in the midst of all sorts of altars to be the presence of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Abraham and his family continue to move south, and they settled then in a place called Bethel, which means house of God. And there, Abraham built another altar, and we see that in Genesis 12, 8 and 9, and we call this the altar of intimacy. So there's the altar of promise there in Shechem. And then there's the altar of intimacy with God. This has to do with having a deep relationship with God. Genesis twelve eight and 9. Listen to this, these passages. From there, Shechem, he went on toward the hills of, east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the, on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And verse 9 then uh, tells us he set out and continued toward the Negev. So there he was in Shechem and then journeying south toward the central part of Canaan. He goes to Bethel and he builds an altar And the narrator does not give us any specifics about any sacrifices or burnt offerings on this altar at either. But what we do know is that this altar became a place of prayer for Abraham. The text tells us that Abraham called on the name of the Lord. This was a place of prayer. This altar over to your right is a place of prayer for you today. This is a safe place for us to come and bring our prayers. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, states that to call upon the name of the Lord is to invoke two parameters in the life of faith. Praise and petition. Praise and petition. He goes to Psalm 105. To call upon the name of the Lord is the fullness of praise. Abraham would have called out to God and worshiped in the fullness of praise. Psalm five verses 1 and 2, give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done, sing to Him, praise to Him, tell all of His wonderful acts. But Brueggemann also says that we bring our petitions to God. To call on the name of the Lord is passionate petition for those who are in need. Psalm 116, 3 and 4. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by the distress and sorrow. You can hear the lament and grief in in this psalm. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. I imagine that Abraham praised the Lord out of the fullness of his heart and at the same time offered prayers of petition for the people he saw in this strange land where he dwelt. These two parameters get to the very heart of the human condition. Well-being and distress. We praise God for our our well-being and the good things, but then we bring our petitions when we are in distress. And each of these is a turning to Yahweh and no other for Abraham. And this should be no different for us today. We praise God from whom all blessings flow. And we cry out to God for those who are hurting. We cry out for those who are oppressed, for those who are repressed, for those who feel depressed. We cry out to God. We cry out for the people in the four corners of our country, in New York City as we've prayed, and in Washington State, in the center in Tulsa and in the south in Charlotte and so many other places that are hurting because of division and hurt and the past. We come together as people of God to pray at His altar. A famine comes and Abraham and his family have to go to Egypt You've heard what happened there. Abraham made some mistakes. He has a lot of regrets about what happened there. And it wouldn't be the last time that he would make some poor decisions. You heard the testimony in our skit earlier about how they tried to fix things themselves when God's plan and promise wasn't unfolding quickly enough. So Abraham was a person who would make poor decisions like many of us. And after they left Egypt, the Scripture tells us that they went back to Bethel. And there Abraham did not build another altar, but he went back to the same one that he had prayed at in Bethel before they went to Egypt. We call this the altar of no return or the altar of restoration. Genesis thirteen three and 4. The altar of no return. Listen to these words. From the Negev, He went from place to place until he came to Bethel. To the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. And I can only imagine this time of prayer. This time at that altar. This time was distress. He had come out of Egypt after the famine and had gone into the desert of Negev and had a wilderness experience. And finally, through the desert, he comes to this altar, and I imagine the flood of memories that came over him as he reflected on his time of prayer and petition there before. And this time, I imagined that his prayer was, God, I am not going back there. I am not going to make those same mistakes again. I am not going to dwell in that place. Help me to make better decisions. Help me to follow your promises even though that I don't understand it. This is a prayer, perhaps, of Abraham. There may be some places that you have been and you don't want to go back. I liken this altar of no return or restoration to the chip that one receives in recovery in a 12-step group. That very first chip, that white chip, And that chip at a month, that chip at three months, that chip at six months, that chip at nine months, that chip at a year, those chips that you can have, keep them in your pocket as some of my dear friends have over the years, and can look at that chip when they're having a hard time and say, this is a a reminder for me that I am not going back there. Maybe that was the purpose of this altar he returned to. And the final altar that Abraham builds is in a town called Mamre. This comes after Abraham and his nephew Lot decided to part ways. And you could read about that as you get up to chapter into 13. We call Mamre the altar of possession. Claiming God's promises. Listen to these words. Genesis 13, 17, and 18. God says, Go. Walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. A little bit earlier, God says, look at all of this. See what I'm giving you. And then in this passage, He says, go and walk through it. I am giving it to you. He's making... A promise, and Abraham has to claim the possession. It's one thing to hear a promise, but it's another thing to possess the promise and claim it as your own. Maybe there's something in your life that God is saying to you. It might be that God is calling you to step out into a new ministry, or God is calling you to do something new in your, in your life or your vocation or with your family. Or maybe God is simply calling you to step up in prayer. Or maybe you're not a believer in Christ and God is calling you to become a Christian and He's giving you the promises of His Son's death and resurrection on the cross and the forgiveness of sins and the promise of everlasting life. He's giving He says, look at all that I have given you and all you've got to do is claim it and possess it and take those next steps of obedience claiming God's promises these four altars outline a plan for each of us that God's promises are available to us that God desires a life of intimacy with us no matter what he wants us to be people of prayer and he desires that this be a house of prayer and God does not want us to return to our former ways but to live a restored life through Jesus Christ And God wants us to claim the life that God desires we live, to possess the promises to worship in spirit and in truth, in attitude and in action. And to understand that we no longer have to build altars to change God's heart. We just need to let God alter ours. And when that happens, everything changes. I want to invite you now to take a few moments as you hear the song Altar to write a prayer to God and as the music is